Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. I am your host, as always, Carrie Parker, and we've got a special show for you this week. Uh, with the holiday season upon us, I thought it would be kind of fun to do a little show on what I believe, from a security and privacy perspective, are the best and the worst gifts for the holiday season. So uh, we'll skip over the regular news uh, uh, this week. Basically, one big long tip of the week, and that is, you know, it obviously if you're looking for gifts for somebody, there's a lot of other things to consider before you get to security and privacy. But uh, I think those are important, and that's why this—that's what this show is about. So let's let's focus on that a little bit and uh, see if we can come up with a nice list of the uh, some fun things or some useful things you can give to your friends and family that will help protect them, either their privacy or their security, uh, and maybe a few gifts that you should avoid. In fact, let's let's start with that list first. Let's start with some gifts you might not want to give this Christmas. First off, let's just start with a general warning about a certain class of gifts that are very, very popular and I'm sure are going to be hot items for Christmas, and that is various Internet of Things devices. Now, Internet of Things we've talked about multiple times and usually not in a good way on this show because they they tend to be cheap. And when things are cheap, one of the first things that often gets cut or never even considered uh, is security. The other aspect to consider, of course, is privacy, but that's kind of hard to avoid um, with Internet of Things. If you're jumping into the IoT world, you know, part of what you got to worry about is privacy. But we'll talk about that in a second. So my main point for for the gift giving of the year. So if you're looking to give someone that really cool Echo Dot or uh, Google Home or one of those cool Bluetooth speakers that you know has, a, has an assistant built in or... A smart thermostat or smart light bulbs or smart whatever you want to call it. Um, basically, as we've said, the Internet of Things kind of my definition of it is take something that used to be dumb and used to be just fine working as a dumb device and then make it smart like a toaster or a or a light bulb or a refrigerator or a thermostat. Uh, we never used to have those things hooked to the Internet and they work just fine. But, you know, there are some really cool and fun things you can do once you hook those things to the Internet. Uh, most uh, most obviously control them or uh, query them from anywhere on the planet. And, you know, that's cool. That's fun. That, that's that's really a neat feature. But from a gift-giving standpoint, my point is make sure that if you're going to buy these things, buy name brand items. Buy them from companies that actually have a good reputation uh, and a reputation that they want to protect. If you're buying some really cheap stuff, no-name brands or brands that kind of come and go, if it's shipped from overseas, particularly China, I don't mean to pick on China, but a lot of the cheap devices, because that's where the uh, the cheap uh, labor and manufacturing is tend to come from China. So it's it not knocking the country. I'm just saying that that's, that's where a lot of these products are manufactured and some of these products come and go. And uh, you really got to watch out for some of these products. For example, there was a blue phone BLU uh, that was made out of China. It was really cheap. I think it was an Android smartphone. And uh, people found out or researchers found out that when they were checking out these devices, that there was, applications installed on every one of these phones that was secretly collecting your data and sending it back to the company, presumably to eventually sell to third parties or whatever to make more money. So that's one thing you got to look out for. The other thing is just basic security gets cut. That's the first thing. I mean, you know, it's security is hard and adding things that require passwords and encryption and all these kind of things that you would expect from a lot of these devices that are sending your personal information, video, audio, uh, or whatever, um, from your house up to some cloud service and back, you'd want that to be protected. Well, a lot of these companies are not doing a very good job of that. And it's not 
good companies can make a mistake too. Companies with big name brands can make mistakes. That, that happens all the time. But when they have a reputation to protect, uh, they tend to fix them more quickly uh, and be better from the get-go. So anyway, this is just a general guideline. It's not hard and fast. It won't guarantee that these products won't be bad, but it will help it will help things considerably if you buy from uh, companies with a reputation to protect. Now, the other popular thing with computers um, is antivirus software. And, you know, maybe that might not be something you would give as a gift, but uh, maybe you would. Uh, maybe it's something you might get with your, for yourself if someone gets you a brand new computer uh, for Christmas. But be careful with antivirus software. Antivirus software has kind of gotten a little too aggressive and a, and a little too desperate. Um, with Windows machines, there's a there's built-in antivirus software called Windows Defender that is perfectly good. There's no reason to pay for any other service beyond that when you've got a Windows box that comes with the machine. Uh, Apple doesn't do that explicitly. They do have some kind of um, anti-malware stuff built in. They don't really talk about it because it's kind of ba it's very basic. Uh, it's better than nothing. Um, but for uh, the Macintosh computer, if you're going to get an antivirus software. I would recommend just going for some of the uh, high reputation, free home versions uh, of software like uh, from Avira or Sophos. Uh, they've got free home products that you can use um, and they make money on their t on their upper tiers. I wouldn't worry about those products. Um, your best bet to stay safe um, is just to have good Internet hygiene. Don't, you know, don't download stuff from places that are kind of shady you know, be careful opening attachments or clicking on links and emails, even if they're from people you know. That make sure that you've got a non-admin account for your day-to-day -day use. Those kind of things that we've talked about on the show before. Those are the kind of things that'll really protect you. So anyway, my point is, antivirus is really is has kind of gotten I want I want to say antiquated, and it's still useful in some cases. But I wouldn't go for the full tilt for pay products. Um, they're kind of getting to be honest. It's almost like the NSA and the CIA. They're in the law enforcement, they're, they're, they're so desperate to protect you that they're doing things in some cases that are actually making things worse. Some of the antivirus software um, will install certificates for themselves that basically lets them kind of insert themselves into any of your encrypted communications because they feel, well, to, to, to know what's going on, I've got to see what you're doing. Uh, and that's not good. That, that, that can have all sorts of other bad problems. So long story short, uh, if antivirus is on your list or if you get a computer and you're thinking about getting an antivirus um, for Christmas or for holidays this year, uh, I would just go with these freebies I talked about. Windows Defender on Windows comes with the product. You're you're good to go there. Uh, if you want to get one for the Mac, then I would look at either Sophos uh, or Avira's um, free home edition for their antivirus. Okay, and last but not least, and this this could well be something that you've considered giving somebody as a gift. Uh, I think it's very popular as a gift. But I'm here to tell you that you should take serious consideration before you do something like this. And that is a DNA test. Now, I know there's, it sounds really cool. That It's got a lot of great potential. But from a privacy standpoint, it could be absolutely horrific. 23andMe and Ancestry.com, I think, have the two most popular products. And the, ba the way it basically works is you give... Um, you give them a sample of your DNA, probably like a swab from your mouth or some spit or something like that. You send that into them and then they run a DNA analysis on that. And ostensibly what they're doing for you is they're trying to first see if there's like from specifically an ancestry's case, they're trying to help you find other people you might re be related to. 
Uh, and then they also try to, you know, to help you find your general area of origin. Now, one thing to, to know about these DNA tests is that they're not going to be able to tell you, yes, your your relatives came from Germany or yes, you uh, um, have British descent or it's not doesn't really work that way. Um, so if that's what you're looking for, um, just know that the only way they can really do that is if they can match your DNA enough to other people in their in their system, then they might know that you're related to somebody. And if that person has said that I'm from Germany, then they can make that inference. But DNA doesn't really locate you on a map. Uh, it can get you from certain regions of the planet. That's really about it. So the other thing to consider before I even get to the, to the privacy stuff I'm talking about is you also have to realize that when you're doing these things, you may find people that you're related to that you didn't know you were related to and maybe not want to know that you were related to. Um, I happen to know somebody who uh, went through this process and found out that they had siblings um, that they did not know about. Um, actually, I believe in this case, it was a father that's, yes, it was, it was, it was kind of an icky situation <laughs> and it was not something, it, it, it became difficult. Um, basically I found out that I think what the, the deal was that the father was not being honest uh, and that they had relatives they did not know about because the father had an affair or, or had kids with somebody else, that kind of thing. So there's that aspect, but then there's just the straight up privacy aspect. You're giving somebody your DNA and they, if you read the fine print, they can do a lot of things with that DNA without your, your permission. So uh, there was a great article on this on Lifehacker, and so I just want to kind of read you some of that from from this article, um, which I will link to in the show notes. Um, and I'll just quote because they do a, a great job of this. So here we go. Quote, uh, 23andMe admitted years ago that its real goal is not to make money selling DNA tests, but to collect massive amounts of personal data. This privacy, their privacy policy states that they will use your information without any further consent, quote, as we reasonably believe we are is permitted by laws and regulations, including for marketing and advertising purposes, unquote, and that they will turn it over to law enforcement if required. By using the service, you also agree that you will let them use your most sensitive information to serve you questionnaires and to develop and improve their products. Uh, they also say that they will share your, your sensitive information without any additional consent if, quote, the information has been anonymized or aggregated so that you cannot reasonably be identified as an individual, unquote. But it's your DNA. It's your personal information unique to you, even if your name isn't attached. Ancestry.com's policy is similar, granting itself permission to use your information to sell you things, find your relatives, and perform studies internally. They also note that they will be happy to, to disclose your information to third parties for purposes including, quote, as necessary or appropriate to protect the rights, property, safety, confidentiality, or reputation of Ancestry, its group, companies, or other users, including outside your country of residence, unquote, which sounds absolutely chilling. So that was from the article. I agree. Um, given these people your your DNA, they've got it forever, and they and you've kind of given them carte blanche to use this however they want, which is not cool in my estimation. And yes, they will. I'm sure take some basic measures to try to keep your name off of anything they share with. But again, it's your DNA. It's you. <laughs> so you know that's not to say that someone else can't figure out that it's you um, if they're one of their third party partners or whatever the case may be. Um, it's just too scary for me. Uh, you know, and the you're you're hoping that they're they're going to use it properly, they're going to they're going to retain it properly, but I mean, the NSA can't hold on to its secrets. So, if they've got this massive database of people's DNA, it's just a treasure trove for hackers. So, I would seriously think twice about doing that. Um 
before giving giving that away as a present or, or doing it for yourself, it's something that you should you should really think twice about. Um, you also might want to look at it, an interesting book called The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. Uh, will give you kind of another little chilling story about how biological material might be used uh, without your permission. That, that I actually have not read the story. I'm just familiar with what it's about, but um, kind of goes along with this. So. Anyway, that wraps up our list of the worst things to give, the things you might want to not give your uh, your friends and family for Christmas. Let's talk about some things you might want to give. All right, so what are some really good gifts you can give somebody some that might help their uh, help protect their privacy or, or increase their security for this holiday season? Okay, well, one of the big ones uh, is getting them uh, their own Wi-Fi router. A lot of internet service providers these days are giving their uh, customers these combination modem and uh, router Wi-Fi router packages. They all come in one box. It's very convenient. Uh, I get that. Uh, however, there's a couple reasons why I don't like that. Uh, first of all, that means that the Wi-Fi router is under their control, not yours, um, and Technically speaking, uh, they actually, because they own the Wi-Fi router, they could be watching all the internet traffic that goes on with your, within your house. Not, I mean, they could already see everything that happens between all your internet devices in your house and what's going on in, uh, on the internet itself. Any of the outbound traffic or inbound traffic for, you know, to or from your house, they can see because they're your internet service provider. That's what they, that's the service they provide. They're seeing all those packets, all that information, but there's also plenty of things that can happen just within your house. Uh, that they wouldn't see unless they had access to your router in your home, where which, which is kind of like your networking hub. That's where all the traffic goes within your house and when it wants to leave your house and come back. So there's that. Plus, you know, that means that you have to ask them to make changes to it. I just don't like that. I like to have control of my destiny. I, I want to be able to control this myself. And I don't want to worry about the privacy aspect. So even though it's it's quote unquote free, actually, you're probably, you're probably renting it. Uh, I would get I would get people uh, their own Wi-Fi router and get a modern one. So if they've got an old Wi-Fi router, they tend to be un insecure and slow. Uh, so it does make a good gift if you want to give someone a modern router. Um, so you know you can look at brand names like D-Link or TP-Link or Netgear or Asus. Uh, that's A-S-U-S. Um, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. I've always said Asus, <laughs> but it could be Asus. I don't know what it is. A-S-U-S. Uh, those are probably some of the big popular brands. Uh, make sure you get. Uh, there's a great website called The Wire Cutter uh, that does a really good job reviewing technology in general, and they've got a nice article on picking out the best uh, Wi-Fi router uh, for most people. Uh, that You can check that out. But uh, the main thing is make sure you get a modern router and that you configure it properly. So once they get that router, uh, here's some things you want to make sure that you do. First of all, definitely set up uh, encrypted uh, communications, which means you need to set up WPA2 that's the, the the best technology we have. There were some problems with it recently, but those have been fixed um, for the most part. So uh, and you would definitely want to set up encryption and you want to set up a decent password. It doesn't have to be a crazy password, just something you wouldn't easily guess. Um, you want to set the SSID, which is the, the broadcast name. You know, so like when you whip up your phone and you're looking at all the available Wi-Fi networks, those names you see listed there, those are the SSIDs uh, for the various Wi-Fi networks. And um, when you're, as long as you're configuring it, set that to something besides the default. Don't go with the standard Netgear, you know, whatever their default text is. Pick something else, but maybe not pick something that would identify you to your neighbors. Um, so it's something that you know, but something that no one would obviously say, oh, yeah, that's Carrie's house. Just for, you know, a little obscurity. It can't hurt. Definitely, definitely want to change the default uh, admin password. Every one of these devices comes with an administrative account built in. 
and a default administrative password. Uh, normally, that administrative interface is only available to somebody who's connected to the router. Uh, in other words, it's not accessible from the wider internet. Now, sometimes they screw up and they make that available. That's bad. Um, but you definitely want to change this. If, if anybody comes into your network, maybe a friend, a guest, somebody who connects your network who's got a compromised uh, system, uh, that system could easily log into your router and start getting up to some serious mischief if they could uh, log in with the default credentials. So uh, get in there and change that admin password to something that's uh, a good, strong password and save that off somewhere where you won't lose it. Uh, you'll probably hardly ever use it, but you just want to make sure that it's not the default. Uh, a lot of the trouble we've had with IoT stuff has been because of default passwords that were not changed. You want to set up a guest network for sure. Uh, so uh, most modern routers allow you to set up a guest network, which is kind of like having a second Wi-Fi router. It's a, a separate network, and it keeps everything segregated. You want to keep your guests, and that means everybody, your friends, your family that are coming over, give them the access to your guest account. Uh, they may have a compromised device and not even know it. And if that device is compromised, if they've got a virus on their smartphone or a virus on their computer and they come and get on your network, that could spread to other things within your network. So make sure that when your guests come over, you give them your guest network address, you're not your primary network address. And one more tip as we're getting all the, actually a couple more tips from the, the Wi-Fi router, as you're getting all these nifty, fun Internet of Things devices, put all those Internet of Things devices on the guest network, not on your main network. Um, it may not prevent them from getting hacked from the, from the internet, but if those things do get hacked from the internet, at least they don't have access to the rest of your computers. So take those internet of things devices and set those on the guest network network as well. Two more things, make sure that you always keep the firmware for that up to date. The firmware is kind of a different name for the software that runs these little appliance kind of devices. Uh, the, the admin interface that, that we just talked about, you should be able to log into your router and there should be a, a tab or a, a link somewhere in there to check for updates, or at least to see, to show you what the current version is and have a, a link to go click and see if there's a newer version. It's really not that hard to update the firmware. Hopefully the routers are going to get to the point where they just update themselves. That's the way it should be. Uh, until then you're going to have to be able to look at this version, go on their website and check that version, see if they're different. Uh, and if they are, they usually just download a file and then you click a browse button on your router and say, here's where the new file is. And it installs it. And that's all there is. It's really not that hard. Sounds confusing, but it's not that bad. Um, uh, the other thing I'd recommend is that you register your router, because if there is a emergency kind of a software update, at least they'll know about you and they can send you an email. Um, and finally, uh, another great thing to do with that router is to set up the, the default DNS, which is the domain name service to use quad nine. Um, I've got a whole article on this on my website, so I'm not going to get too much into it now, but it's a great free security service uh, that will help keep you from accidentally going to websites that are known to be malicious. All right, what are some other great gifts to give people for their uh, to help make themselves more secure or private? Well, uh, if you're looking to get someone a new smartphone or a new computer and you're not sure what to get, Personally, I would lean toward Apple products. Um, I've, I've always been an Apple fan. I will totally admit that I'm biased, but I'm not saying that they're way, way more secure than Windows products or Android's products. Well, actually, I would say they're definitely way more secure than Android. So from a smartphone perspective, I would go Apple every time. But from a computer's perspective, um, Apple's kind of like uh, not the one that gets targeted the most because it's not quite as popular. On the, on the smartphone side, Apple's really gone to great lengths to keep things very secure. 
on on the computer side, it, it tends to be that the, the bad guys go after Windows because there's a lot more Windows computers than there are Apple computers. So if you're on the fence uh, and you're just not sure which way to go, at least from a security and privacy perspective, I would go with Apple. Now, a couple more things that are crucial if you're going to give uh, anybody a computer product or something related to computers. Uh, you uh, A great gift for a lot of people that they don't often think of and maybe not get for themselves is an uninterruptible power supply or a UPS. Uh, this is particularly important for desktop computers, uh, but it could also be really cool uh, and handy to have uh, in any home that has internet access because you could take a small one of these and hook up your cable modem and your Wi-Fi router. And if you've got like a Vonage type um, uh, service for phone, you could hook that up to a UPS as well. And very often when the power goes out at your house, you can still use the internet uh, with your smartphones or your laptops or things that have uh, batteries. Uh, it could still be very handy. Um, so uh, you can uh, get these at Amazon or any big box store. Uh, the brands that tend to stand out are CyberPower and APC. Uh, APC is a little more expensive usually, but I'd say either one of those are good. Uh, again, you can get a smaller one for people to hook up their modems and uh, Wi-Fi uh, routers up to. Uh, they also make them today with lithium-ion based, like kind of like the same batteries that are in our smart devices that make them much smaller, whereas the older style UPSs are lead acid batteries like that go in your car. So they tend to be very big and bulky and heavy. They still work, um, but they again, the the newer ones are the, the, the lithium ion based ones are smaller. They're more expensive. Um, so you might want to get a smaller one maybe for uh, the, the networking boxes. But if they've got a desktop computer, uh, one of the worst things, one of the harshest things you could do on one of those guys is pull the power right in the middle of them doing something. Uh, so putting a desktop computer on a UPS is a really good way to protect that computer in lots of different ways. It's basically a super surge protector. Not only does it protect from surge, but if the power actually just goes out and it could just be a flicker, uh, that's enough to really damage a hard drive um, that was running and trying to write some data uh, when the power got killed. So uh, UPS is a great uh, another great thing to get somebody who's got a, a desktop computer. Now, the other thing I preach heavily, one of the main things that we should do, everyone should be doing on their computers and their smartphones is backing them up. There are so many different ways that things, something can go wrong. You can lose it. You can damage it. You could be hacked. You could be struck with ransomware. You could have corrupt files. So many things that could go wrong, but all of those could be fixed if you've got a really good backup system. Uh, I recommend uh, the 321 backup system, which is to say that you should have three copies of anything important. Uh, those things would be mo the most important things are irreplaceable things, family photos, family videos, maybe tax records, uh, financial records, family records, those those kind of things that you could not replace that you have digitized. Those are the kind of things you want to absolutely make sure you've got plenty of backups, you know, things like applications and whatever. Those are you can always redownload those or rebuy those music, even music you could rebuy usually if you had to. But if it's anything that you can't replace, those are the things you need to follow this three two one plan, uh, which is. Make sure you have three copies of absolutely uh, everything you cannot replace. So one is the original copy uh, somewhere on your computer or wherever you keep it. One is uh, on a backup and at least uh, one of the another backup that should be offsite. So you should have one primary copy and two backup copies. And one of those backup copies should be offsite. Three, two, one. Um, so cloud services, I recommend uh, getting a good cloud service backup. Um, the one I tend to like, I used to love CrashPlan, but unfortunately they don't do uh, home systems anymore. They're focusing on uh, businesses. So um, you could pay more and get the business service, but um, I would recommend maybe looking at Backblaze. They're really simple. They're very easy to use, and they're really solid backup. 
Uh, Carbonate is another one that's popular, uh, but I personally like Backblaze for cloud backup. And then you should also look at someone, just getting someone a little external hard drive, just one of those little, they're about the size of a deck of cards. Uh, you can get probably a two terabyte backup drive for under a hundred bucks. Um, they're powered by USB, so you only have to plug them into the computer. They usually don't take a separate power plug, which is nice. So they're, they're not terribly messy in terms of, you know, cord management. Uh, and they can hook up that external backup to the computer. And uh, on a Macintosh, it's super easy. You know, as soon as you hook up that drive, it'll, the, the, the Apple Macintosh will say, hey, you've got a brand new drive. Would you like to make this a Time Machine drive? And Time Machine is Apple's uh, really great uh, backup software. And so you just say yes, and it's off to the races. Uh, for Windows, it's a little more complicated than that, but it's pretty much straightforward. You can set it up as your backup device. And on Windows as well, it can take uh, regular snapshots of all your files and keep them backed up. So if anything happens, you can get back to an old copy uh, and restore your files. All right, just a couple more services I might recommend if you want to get uh, kick things up a notch and increase your security and increase your privacy. Uh, look at maybe a paying for an email service. I know that sounds crazy because everyone gets the free services. There's so many free services through email out there. Why would anybody pay for it? Well, I'm here to tell you that the reason those things are free for the most part is because you are the product. Um, they're gathering all sorts of information about you in, in exchange for this free account and they're selling it to other people. They're using it for other things, including marketing and who knows what else. And uh, even if they, you know, think they're only using it for good purposes and they can still get hacked and that information can still get loose. So paying for something, unfortunately, doesn't guarantee that these products are going to keep your stuff safer or not collect this data in the first place. But it, it makes things a lot more likely that they won't because they've got a revenue model that doesn't depend on you. Um, one of the services that I think has really come on strong lately, and we've just talked to Dr. Andy Yen recently, is ProtonMail. Uh, ProtonMail is an end-to-end -end encrypted email service. Uh, it's really easy to use. They're coming out with some other great products associated with that as well. So if you really want to give this a try, um, see if you can get you and your friends to, to check out ProtonMail and get ProtonMail accounts. That's a great way to go. Uh, they've got some other products as well. They've got a VPN service that they offer as part of this product if you pay for it. Uh, and that was going to be my next recommendation is you look into a VPN service. Uh, Tunnel Bear is a great v uh, VPN service for regular everyday people that's very simple to use. Uh, and again, this is a privacy thing, especially since net neutrality is and, and the privacy controls that used to be on ISPs has gone out the window. Your ISP is basically free to watch everything you do on the Internet and sell that information to somebody else. So the only way to get around that is to use a VPN. Uh, and a VPN will also allow you to avoid getting your speed throttled if, if this net neutrality thing falls apart and they decide, you know, hey, I'm going to. I'm going to slow down Netflix or I'm going to slow down my competitor's products. If you're using a VPN, they won't be able to know what you're doing. They won't be able to see what those things are doing. So they won't be able to selectively slow it down or speed it up, depending on the case. But, um, you know, the only way to make sure that they, they can't monkey with the, your connection speeds for any individual service is for them to not know what you're connected to. Uh, and a VPN will solve that as well. So Tunnel Bear is a great one. Uh, I just mentioned Proton uh, Proton Mail has their own VPN as well that comes with their Proton Mail service. Uh, Encrypt Me uh, used to be called Cloak. Uh, Encrypt Me is a good service, particularly for uh, Apple products, both smartphones and uh, desktop computers. Uh, I believe they've got Windows products now as well. Uh, so there's a few options. Just make sure it's a if you're looking for a VPN service that uh, they. Privacy is one of their main things. Uh, avoid free VPN services. Those uh, those can get really kind of dodgy. Um, so you're going to have to pay for the service, but they're really not that expensive. Uh, it's just a few bucks a month usually. Uh, 
Uh, so I would look at VPN services. And uh, let's a couple more concrete things I'd like to recommend uh, as great gifts for Christmas. And this is it's always good to learn and understand what's going on. And the best way to do that, in my experience, is to read a book. There are some great websites out there that that, that are good resources. Um, but uh, I'm here to recommend great gifts. So good gifts would be books. And here's a few. I would start off with Data and Goliath. Uh, that's D-A-T-A and Goliath. Um, and it's by Bruce Schneier. Bruce Schneier is a highly, highly recognized uh, cryptographer and uh, security guy. Uh, he's testified before Congress on multiple occasions. In fact, those are great things to watch. He's he's um, very, very smart, and he's really good about explaining why these things are so important. And this, he's got lots of books actually, uh, but this is the one. If I was going to recommend recommend one book for people to read and understand uh, about you know why privacy is such a big deal and why. Uh, our information, basically they're saying that information is the next oil. It's, it's, it's traded like, like a commodity and it's, it's what everything runs on today is information. And, uh, you really need to understand the ins and outs of this. And Bruce does a great job of this in the book, Data and Goliath. Another great book, uh, that I recommend it's even free. It's, it's a quick read. It's a lot of fun to read, but it uh, also has some really great uh, technical background in it and to help you kind of understand why encryption and uh, all these sorts of tools are important for everyday people, not just, you know, for banking transactions or for corporations or for the government. We should be using encryption everywhere and it, and being able to talk to each other privately is so important. But anyway, don't let that throw you off. It's really a great read. It's technical, but it's not super technical and it's really fun. And it's called Little Brother. Uh, you can get it for free if you go to Cory Doctorow's uh, Crap Hound <laughs> website. That's his website, Crap Hound. You can download a free PDF copy, or if you'd like to just support him, you can just, of course, buy a hard copy on Amazon. Little Brother, it's a great read. I highly recommend it. And uh, finally, of course, no gift list could be complete without mentioning Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. Uh, my book covers all of this stuff. And uh, more more than that, it has pictures and step-by-step -step instructions. So, you know, any any book list, any Christmas list would be incomplete without me mentioning that. Uh, of course, I'm a little biased, but, you know, that's why you're listening to me. So check that out on Amazon.com. Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. It's a great gift. Uh, it's a really easy read. It's not it's not hyper technical. It's it's actually very down to earth. It's very approachable. Um, and it's a great gift to give somebody uh, who wants to kick up their privacy and cyber cybersecurity a couple notches. Over 100 tips in there. Most of them are free and easy. Check that book out. It's uh, uh, it's on Amazon. It's about 20 bucks. And it would make a great gift for Christmas. All right, everybody. And that is it. That wraps up this special episode of Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, of course, I'll be back again next week. And there will be an interview show dropping next week as well. Look forward to that. And uh, have a safe holidays, everybody. And hopefully these gifts will help your friends and family stay safe as well. And until next week, don't get caught with the drawbridge now. Happy holidays, everybody.